welcome to the Leisure Business Broadcast, presented by David Kilkelly. Expert interviews, top marketing tips, and the latest digital know-how for the leisure and tourism industry. I'm David Kilkelly, this is the Leisure Business Broadcast and um, we have been super busy this last few weeks uh, pushing Shout Devon out into the world, letting people know about it. So uh, it's been quite a struggle to get this podcast up and out but we're going to try and keep doing them at least once a month um, and I've got uh, a few more lined up uh, in the pipeline as well coming up. We're getting back to the expert interviews now like I said in the previous episode we've had a lot of talks from conferences over the winter seasons but now I'm really trying to get back into um, getting in-depth conversations with uh, one person who really knows their stuff and this week's episode is from uh, Paul Duckett from from Cloudbury Digital, who are based down in Brixham now. And um, we, we talk about a lot of different things, but um, they're, they're food specialists. So this episode is really focused around that. But it, there's a lot of things that would feed into other areas of, uh, of digital marketing for, for leisure businesses. So coming up in this episode, we talk about how to market things internationally. And there's some useful tips coming up. Um, about that and also about subscription models. Now I'm a great believer in subscription models. I think they're a great way to build a business and I think what's interesting is that it's surprising the different ways you can use subscription models these days. So um, hopefully that will help you think about maybe how you can apply that type of business model to your business. In amongst all of that we've got tips on social media and digital marketing and all different kind of things that we normally talk about. So um, I hope you find it interesting. Let's jump straight into it. Uh, I'm here with uh, Paul Duckett, who is the Joint Managing Director of Cloudbury. Tell me what you do. What's the, what are the, what, if someone comes to Cloudbury, what's the sort of uh, the service that you, that you offer them? Well, first of all, we always like to work with what, the, what are the customers' goals. So what are they trying to do online, be that get more listings, um, sell more products, or just generally promote their brand, or increase their um, email marketing list, or things like that. Um, so we'd always start there, and then we'd look to um, generate a project which would um, achieve those goals for them, whether that be um, helping them with a social media marketing campaign, helping them with an online competition, um, or launching for them a, a brand new website, whether that be a brochure site or a full e-commerce site. So you specialise in food. So who? What sort of? T- what's your typical client? What, what? If you can name a couple of clients or the type of client you work with. Yeah, we work with all sorts of clients from small um, one-person um, food retailers or producers through to um, brands that you might be familiar with that are stocked in the UK multiple. So um, we have brands um, such as WKD or Schler, um, who you can find in most supermarkets, and down to some more smaller local companies such as um, Dartmouth Fine Food or Little Pod. So, I mean, and our clients, they could be, um, when we talk about food and drink, um, it's quite wide um, within that area, although that is our specialism. And that could be anything from um, a gastro pub, a small little bijou hotel, a delicatessen, through to a large food producer or retailer, or even a hotel or tourist attraction. So, although we have specialised, it's quite a broad band um, within that area that we would work with. What makes Cloudbury unique uh, compared to the next agency down down the road then? 
Yeah, well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, even in this area, there are lots of um, website companies and digital agencies, and it is a very, very competitive market, and there's lots of talented people in this area. So from that respect, yeah, it's, um, it's not necessarily easy, but it's a great area to be working in. Um, aside from our specialism in food and drink, which um, we believe gives us real advantage when we're talking to our customers, because we can really understand their issues from their point of view, um, as well as you know, issues about digital, it enables us to help really apply digital technology to give them advantage. But um, Cloudbury is both a website um, company and it's also a software development company. So our ambition is to have the best software for being online in the world for a food and drink company. We're nowhere near there yet, um, but we're well on the way. And I don't hear um, many other um, digital agencies either here or more nationally have that kind of level of ambition. I think that's really interesting about finding a niche, and that's something that we were talking about before, um, that once you kind of establish a niche within a certain area, it just allows you obviously to specialise, but also to develop your skills and develop your service for that specific sort of um, sector. Um, and uh, it's something that, that, that we've been doing as well. And so the software that you're developing is, I suppose, your answer to that, and that's uh, something which you might have in advantage to other agencies. Okay, well, we might talk about that in a little bit more, um, okay. uh, in a bit more detail. Um, so what do you think are the challenges then? So if we keep it kind of focused around food and drink industry, um, what are the challenges for, um, f firstly, let's take a, a small business. Um, what are the challenges for one, a, a small producer or a, a, a small food supplier in this day and age? What are those kind of um, approaching challenges now? Um, well, I think um, th there's lots around. Some have been around for a while, some of them are more emerging. Certainly, you know, legislation is increasing in complexity all the time and the requirements that all food producers um, have to adhere to are increasing. But obviously that puts a, a, a larger demand on the smaller producer who, who naturally has less resources available to them. Um, I think more and more now the internet has opened up um, and is opening up an increasing range of markets. So we were talking earlier about, you know, a chocolatier in Brixham would previously, you know, 10 years ago, only really had access to, to fairly local markets um, unless they invested quite heavily in, in marketing and um, infrastructure for their supply network. Nowadays with the internet, that whole marketplace has completely changed such that there is an international marketplace just like an old-fashioned market would be. Instead of popping down to that market, we can just pop online and we've got this most fantastic marketplace. And I think that um, being able to have access to all of that and how to work within that international marketplace. Um, you know, which markets to attract if I've now got the whole of the world rather than just Brixham? Where should I go? Where should I um, invest my finite resources in order to achieve the best response? You know, is it locally? Is it, is it, is it further afield? Um, and if it is further afield, how would I best know that? I think are some key challenges um, for small producers because it's not just a case of, um, okay, I'll just translate my website or translate my offer and away I go. Increasingly, we like to talk to people about localising their offer, so really understanding what's going on in the local market and not just translating the words that they have in their marketing material, but really localising it to understand you know, how are these words spoken? What do the images that I'm using currently, how do they impact in a foreign market? Um, what search engines are used and what social media platforms are used? Because it's not safe to assume that that will be Google and Facebook or Facebook and Twitter. As the, um, as the number one platforms in those different areas. In lots of countries in the world that is true, but in a significant number of other ones um, it isn't. So I think that there's a, 
there's two issues there. You know, you combine that with food health issues. We've just been out to lunch and just been looking at what to eat. And, you know, it's very, very difficult sometimes to try and eat healthfully unless you make it yourself. And even if you do decide to make it yourself, um, you know, you've still got lots of issues about what's good and what isn't. And there seems to be an increasing amount of complexity around what is healthy food. How much of this should I have? How much of that shouldn't I have? So I think there's a whole kind of um, challenge there for um, the, s the small food producer, not only in, in meeting that demand for healthy food, but also, especially in this part of the world, in the Southwest, where we have quite a strong food culture um, in differentiating themselves as being a healthy, ethical food brand. Um, and I think, you know, but the, the area that, I'd, as I'd see as a challenge, is about, you know, the increasing complexity of digital platforms themselves and just this whole plethora of what's available online in terms of tools to use and managing information out there. I see, um, you know, for a larger organisation, it's a challenge, um, but for a smaller food producer or, or any kind of small business owner, that's a significant challenge in this day and age. Let's just rewind quickly back to then what you were saying about the international markets, because from uh, a sort of experienced marketer's point of view, like yourself or, or me, can kind of look at um, how you can reach those international audiences, and it, and it seems like a great opportunity. From a small business's point of view, it's probably quite overwhelming, isn't it? Because, mm -hmm. like you say, there's lots of different social networks, there's, there's pay-per-click, there's all these different kind of things that you're supposed to do or try. And um, you can, even though each individually of, of those techniques aren't necessarily that expensive, if you were to do all of them, you know, it, it, it's quite a lot, isn't it? And, 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 and the evidence of whether that works or not is unknown, I suppose, to the small business. So... Um, what's the solution there? What's the what's the sort of the answer to that from from their sort of from their perspective? Why you know because that's quite a daunting thing. So how do you overcome that? Do you think? Well, well I think um, the, one of the first things is just simply to start. Um, so is is to is to not to ignore that challenge, but to start. And then there's lots of places locally um, where one can go and get advice. So um, the UKTI um, are a good source of information. And more locally, um, the Torbay Development Agency have an excellent um, ready for export network, as I think do um, the um, Plymouth um, Chamber of Commerce. So there are places where one can go and get expert advice and also network with other people that are starting out on that journey. So I think that um, you know it's probably best to do that. It's different now from a decision about should I just advertise in the local rag or not. As you said, you've got all sorts of different options available to you and um, it can be quite confusing. I think what is great though is, um, you know, nowadays it'd be very difficult to know how, or in, in the past, sorry, it'd be very difficult to know how successful your advertising campaign was. But I think in this digital age, you know, it's fantastically easy to understand how many times your advert has been shown to an individual, yeah. um, how many people clicked on that advert and came through onto your website, for instance. Yeah. Um, so I think there are tools available now that give um, business owners, marketeers so much more data um, they're so much more flexible in terms of turning them on and off that there's some great opportunities out there to, to, to really optimise what you do with that marketing spend. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that word optimise is really important because when you get down to what are called A-B testing or split testing, mm -hmm. that you can kind of say, actually, this, this ad copy or this, this particular approach just was 5 or 10% better than this other approach. And you can build on that if you do it over time. And I think one of the advantages of coming to an agency or someone who has done it a lot is that they have that experience because it is trial and error, isn't it? And even though... Um, you know, I mean, obviously experience plays into it, but even the most experienced marketer can't tell you, 
you know, absolutely, whether that colour is going to convert better than that colour. And to a certain extent, you have to test and test and test. But I think what's really interesting is that you can do that at a small scale and really figure out what actually is working rather than just kind of hoping, which is basically the approach that absolutely. we used to have to take. Wasn't it, it? Yeah, well, it, was, it was a hope and also based on personal preference. So, you know, I, I have some great clients, one of them I'm going to talk about later, who, who is very good at saying, well, I like it like this but um, the proof of the pudding will be whether that sells me more um, chocolate, for instance. Mm. And I think it's really important to kind of take one's personal preference out of the equation and, and do that split testing that you would talk about and say, okay, which one of these works better? And the advantage with digital marketing now as well is you can do that and you can switch off campaigns um, and switch over to other campaigns um, relatively simply without committing huge amounts of spend um, upfront before you know some of those answers. And I think you know technology is changing all the time um, there are new browsers and new devices being developed, mm. all of which um, need to be um, integrated into a digital marketing campaign, um, or at least understood to understand the impact of them on a digital marketing campaign. Okay. So, for instance, in the future, um, I think the next step in search will be for us to talk far more into our devices. Um, and that, yeah. will, that will have, you well, know, Google have just released a voice thing for Docs, haven't they? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and we'll see that expand more and more, and that will bound to have an Im that will bound to have an impact on mm. search and what and how we optimise for that kind of search. Um, you know, different devices have different screen sizes. You know, at a very low level, um, and therefore, you know, that you need to make sure that your your campaign um, works with with that kind of thing. So I think it's changing all the time. You know, in the future, I think. Amazon were quoted as saying that they could employ drone delivery within three years, that the fact that it's not the technology that's holding it back, it's legislation. Mm. Um, and if you think about the opportunities that that gives Amazon um, to compete with um, other, other retailers, um, it's just huge. And, uh, and maximising the benefits from that opportunity is just you know, mind-blowing. How do, how do you get your head around that? So I think you know, this whole digital environment, as we all know, is changing. Um, you know, it's difficult to look back and see how far it's changed already, especially for someone like me who grew up with being connected to the wall to make a phone call, having to get up off the sofa to change the TV channel. If we look at where we are today, um, you know, it's a massive amount of change. And if, if I look forward three years, it's going to be completely different again. And I think that's a huge challenge, you know, on an individual level, just walking through life, as well as making the most of that for a business. And really, I think it's quite important to delegate um, that portion of a business out, and I know I would say that, and, and you probably would as well, um, but as things get more complex, you need somebody who's following that quite closely because it's moving fast, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. It, you need somebody who's kind of interested in it and passionate about it to really be on the edge of that because if you're not on the edge of it, if you're three steps behind, three steps in digital terms is half a mile, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there's a real danger for um, individuals as business owners or, or working at a fairly senior level in the business to believe they need to do something because maybe they've always done it in the past or they feel that they should. So, you know, I meet plenty of people with very high standards and very good intentions that don't achieve as much as they want to do online because they believe they should be able to write that weekly blog post as part of their part of their digital marketing campaign but invariably they don't um, probably because they've realized that actually their time is is better spent on other things as often in business you know the business owner is the one who's really going to sell the company is really going to grow the company only they are going to be able to do that so i think it is a challenge to let go and say, actually, this, this is an area of expertise. Um, there are people out there that can help me. Um, and as we said earlier, there's lots of people in this area that can help businesses with, with 
getting the most out of being online. We get that sometimes with video. We get um, we get someone sort of going, oh yeah, yeah. We, well, we've got a really nice website, but I've got students who volunteer to do my video. And you're like, right? Did yeah. you get the students to do your website? No. Yeah. So yeah. why are you getting students to do your video? Absolutely. Um, okay. So well, we're going to talk about a, a case study uh, today, which helps illustrate some of the things that we've talking have been talking about, and 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 you uh, have got a good example for us that we were talking about earlier and um it's to do with it's to do with chocolate isn't it but it's also to do with the subscription service which i'm rather a fan of and actually i think we kind of we were talking as well about how the subscription service is becoming quite a common thing now and it's it's moved over from software now it's in food it's in sort of um you know uh, business services and all sorts of different things so what was the example uh, in this case, well, well, that's absolutely correct. I mean, and it seems to be popping up everywhere. I think you know you can go online and buy a subscription for a shaving kit, um, for chocolate, um, and for all manner of business services. So we, um, you know, we're able to purchase our accountancy um, services as a subscription service, um, which is really, really interesting. So that whole trend is there for paying a repeat, um, repeat payment. Um, but we were working with um, one of our clients, uh, James Chocolates, who make um, artisan chocolate um, for sale in various retailers and for sale online. Um, and so they had you know, various issues with delivering food. Um, you know, why buy food online? Um, it's got um, sell-by dates, obviously, and it's quite a fragile um, product. Um, and wanting to try to um, sell more products online um, and offer more value to their customers. And really having critically looked at what they did um, came to the conclusion that actually there's an opportunity here to um, sell our chocolate as a subscription, um, as a treat for individuals. Um, and the, in doing that, it gives the customer who's purchasing the chocolate the opportunity to really um, personalise um, the offer so they can say how often they'd like chocolate delivered through their door as a treat. Um, what flavours they do and they don't like. Um, they can stop it at any point they want and they can you know, get extra boxes for friends and family if they would like. So it gives a great degree of personalisation there for the customer who's shopping online and gives a real reason to come to the individual chocolate producer's site or the individual business's site rather than, say, going to um, a, a larger retailer where more products were on offer and, then, and there's just one purchase to be made, which is obviously a, a simpler route for the consumer online. So there really is a need to provide a reason for customers to come to your site and buy from you um, if you want to kind of maximise your margins as a business owner. And this is just one way of doing that. And I think um, for lots of businesses, um, and lots of businesses that perhaps haven't thought about it before, it's really quite a good way. Um, and James had the idea to um, set up the Chocolate Treat Club um, in order to give all those benefits that I mentioned earlier um, for the customer online, but also for the business themselves. It gives them the opportunity to really engage with their customers. And it's much more than just a purchase delivery kind of relationship. There's the opportunity to get your customers trying out new products. Um, to get the feedback on those new products for them, to help your customer. I don't know about you, but you know, it's easy for me to forget certain key dates. You know, there's the opportunity here with this kind of offer to um, remind people that such and such as birthday is coming up, why don't you send them some chocolate? Um, so there's lots of reasons on both sides to go down this route. So you're kind of using data and you're using automation and you're using that to kind of 
sort of basically be the engine of the business to a certain extent. Basically, yeah, to try and add value to both the, the consumer online purchasing the chocolate in this mm. instance, and also for the business. So a lot of, you, you mentioned automation there, David, and a lot of the process is automated. So as soon as someone has um, registered their preferences of how often they want the product and, and what products they like, and, and quite importantly, what products they don't like, um, then that process is set up as a repeat um, process. The um, payment is taken on a repeat basis. Um, and the orders are generated automatically, ready for processing. And all the invoicing, um, and even all the labels to print on the packages to send out is all handled um, mm. automatically, thereby giving you know, lots, of, lots of business efficiency improvements for the client. My wife and I actually um, subscribed to a, a chocolate like subscription service, right. but it was like 10 years ago. Okay. And I think... What? Not this one. Then. No, it wasn't. On. No, well, I, no, 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 I think, I'm trying to remember, I think it came through with a card and you ticked a piece of paper. Oh, okay. So it was, it was kind school. of pre sort <laughs> yeah. of, I mean, not pre-internet, yeah. but, you know, pre sort of sort of data, big data mm -hmm. and technology to yeah. a certain extent. And it's interesting to see that, you know, I mean, it obviously makes a lot more sense when you have boxes that you can tick online and stuff that you can presumably order on your phone. And yeah. it's suddenly, that's that's the connection. Uh, but it's also a really interesting model um, to, to use for something like chocolate. And I don't think that, you know, many businesses would necessarily think that there is a subscription capability within their business. But I think it's really interesting to ask the question because there may be a way of doing it. And if you can reposition the business model a little bit, it makes it firstly interesting. It makes it exciting for the consumer because it's new, yep. and it's different. Um, but also you're taking that step into the, you're kind of future-proofing your business. And it's so much easier to build a business on subscriptions because you've got money coming in that you know is coming in every month. Absolutely. You? It's not, you're not chasing every single sale, are you? And no, then, it's, it's budgetable. And I think also you're asking somebody to make a purchasing decision once. Um, yeah, and they're yeah. also typically making a purchasing decision on, on a you know, monthly outgoing. There'll be a lot less, certainly in the business-to-business -business model with, with a service offer. You know, the, the monthly outgoing is usually a lot less than a one-off payment um, mm. would be. Um, so that, that's kind of, that's kind of um, really beneficial as well. And I think what we saw, um, one of the big learnings for us was about opening up this new business opens up new customer groups that you hadn't previously thought of. So we hadn't really thought about the fact that there are lots of children in this country that go to boarding school, for instance, um, whose parents may well want to send them a treat. Um, and as it turns out, that is true. There's a significant proportion of people who are, who are now customers who are doing that kind of thing. Um, and also, you know, children um, at university are away from home. It's an opportunity to send them a treat as well. And it also um, opens up the things for gifts. So lots of people may well think, oh, I don't, wanna, I don't want that for myself, but as a present, um, you know, it's a really great idea for a gift. So in, in opening up this new kind of way of, of working with customers also opened up another group of customers to the business, which is, which is great. So um, that business, and it's called the Chocolate Treat Club, is that right? That's right. It's the Chocolate Treat Club, which um, James Chocolates launched earlier on this year. And has it seen success off the back of this process, of the back of the subscription sort of process that you've, that you've engineered? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to talk about specific numbers, obviously, because it's, it's um, not my business. It's a client of mine. But um, yeah, it's seen great success. Um, customers continue to grow, which I think is the important thing, because um, it's not just a one-off. It's, it's continuing to grow even as we speak. Okay, great. So let's let's just um, try and reiterate, go, go back through a couple of these things and just um, pull out those action points so that we've got something tangible for people to go ahead with. Um, and I think probably the first one that you said was 
to start small and to start now. So, um, you know, we we ended we ended this talk saying, you know, that you should put put your sort of um, faith into experts. But there are things that you can do to start, particularly when it comes to things like social media. And I think that's quite an important one there, just to kind of pick one and and see if it works, just to test it, to try it, but to commit to that particular thing. Absolutely, and we talked about earlier about, you know, it's easy to evaluate within digital marketing. You can see the stats of how well you're doing. So I think, you know, don't be overwhelmed by, you know, I should be on Facebook or I should be on Twitter and I should have a page on Pinterest and Instagram. Um, why not pick one that might work well for you? Um, do it for a week or a month or two months and evaluate how you're getting on and make a decision. And um, you'll get some benefits straight away, um, but you won't be overwhelmed with the enormity of the task of moving on to social media. I think the same, you think, oh, we're thinking about selling online, you know, um, why not? And you, perhaps you're a deli, ooh, there might be an online market for you here. Um, how, on earth are you going to do, how on earth are you going to enter into that realm? Well, why not pick one or two key products that you know will probably sell? Um, get those online, try and start selling those with a very e e very simple e-commerce module, evaluate that and move on. So yeah, so at Cloudbury we're very much into start small and start now rather than trying to scope out massive projects which take a long time to agree and a longer time to implement, which will have a great outcome at the end, but until you get to that end often you haven't seen any other benefits. And I think one of the things that we always um, talked about when we were talking about, and I, I know it seems like different, but actually it's quite the same. Um, when you talk about um, stories or narrative within like a video or something, that you go deep and you go narrow. So um, it's, if you invest a fair bit of time into one social network, you will see the needle move or not move on that. Whereas if you try and spread yourself really thin, if you try and cram too much in and you only go you know, half an inch deep on all of it, then you don't, you, none of it's going to move and then you're going to feel like you've wasted your time across lots of different things. Absolutely. Um, okay, and then the second one probably is, um, it, it was quite interesting what you were saying about local business groups. So particularly when it comes to things like export, there are places to go, um, not necessarily other businesses, but sometimes business groups and support forums and things like that where you can get knowledge. And you mentioned a couple of those earlier. Yes, yeah, so that was the Torbay Development Agency run an exporting network. I think it meets monthly. And that's a mixture of export experts um, and local companies who either already are or are starting on the journey to export. So I think it's a good mix there. Um, I've seen the Plymouth um, Chamber of Commerce um, do a similar kind of thing. So I think there are groups out there um, that can help you with really kind of practical advice and experience. Um, yeah, so just, just go and have a look. Okay. <clears throat> and then finally, it's that subscription model, isn't it? And, mm -hmm. and regardless of the business or the industry you're in, I think it's really interesting to just ask the question, can I turn a portion of this at least into something subscription-based? I heard of a hairdresser that was subscription a while ago. So you just pay your monthly fee, you've got a slot, you turn up. And, and actually, it takes, like you said, yeah. quite a lot of the the complexity of the buying process out of out of your hands which is nice because we've got so many choices and so many things going on from a consumer's point of view it's sometimes quite nice to just go this is what i like Absolutely. 10, 10 pound a month whatever yeah. it is and see you later sort of thing i mean i think there's some businesses that um, immediately jump to mind um, but there are very few businesses that after a little bit of thought that i think wouldn't suit a more subscription module i mean i recently joined the national trust because um, someone sold that to me on paying you know, a smaller amount monthly, which actually seemed rather worthwhile than, than shelling out for the whole membership at, at one particular point in time. And I think you know, that could be true for a large number of um, tourist and leisure kind of um, establishments in this part of the world. You know, why couldn't a more membership recurring payment subscription module work um, rather than turning up just once a year 
um, and using their facilities. Yeah, you can almost almost imagine a time in the future where you just have a thousand pounds worth of subscriptions going out every month, and your whole life is just on autopilot. <laughs> you can actually get on with enjoying yourself or doing something else, and not having to go to the supermarket and not having to do this and that and the other. Well, not having to go to the supermarket would be lovely, but yeah, that's absolutely. that's a different story. So all that remains for me to say is um, thank you very much. And wh- where can we find you? Whereabouts are you online? We are on Twitter. It's at CBDigi. And our web address is www.cloudberry-digital.com. OK. Thank you very much, David. OK. Cheers. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening. I hope that was interesting to you. Um, we've now got a new Twitter account. It's our Shout Devon account. So you can follow us at shout underscore Devon. Uh, so come and say hello there and try and help us get our, our follower numbers up a little bit. That's a brand new account. And uh, go and check out shoutdevon.biz uh, for information about that as well. Um, I look forward to seeing you next time on the Leisure Business Broadcast. <laughs>